Today on our show, we're counting down the top 10 dystopian films with thanks to David Powell, top level patron to the show. What up, D? Let's go, Polly. Wow. Welcome to episode 383 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We count down movies and sometimes television or divorcements so you don't have to. Last week we did TV. Today we're back to film. And as mentioned at the top of the show right there, David Powell, top level patron, said... My favourite genre of films is dystopian films. Do that for me. Dystopian and we're only films. too happy to because David parts with his hard earned every week to allow us or to Much listen like to our us. lovely patrons, all of them. All yes. of our patrons, we want to say big huge shout out to you all and the top level patrons all the way down to the $1 people. You all make this show possible. Thank you so, so much. Check out link in the show notes if you want to get involved at whatever level of the show. Right, that advertisement out the way. There's no recount today, Wayne, because this is very, very straightforward. Last week we did TV shows, no, not comparison. That's right. No countdown. No, 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 no competition. Or no competition no there. Work. This week we'll compete. Who has a better list? But I have to say, Wayne, <laughs> I have compromised. I have handicapped myself. As have I, Paul. There's no Mad Max Fury Road. There's no Matrix. Oh shit! I know. There's no Matrix. Me neither. Fucking There's no fucking Robocop for me. Uh, Total Recall. None of that for me. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> So this is no. I just took anything off. I felt like I mentioned five films. There you go. It's I same with too me. often. Same with me. Anything that I talk about all the time, I just try to took it off. So it's definitely a. I'm trying to give you more bang for your buck as Paul destroys the studio. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, word to Big Bird. Um, let's do it, man. Let's do it indeed. On the other side of this four, no recount. Straight into it. This music cue. Amazingly, Wayne didn't go. Cut. Yeah, at the end of that, I was like, like, exactly. I'm just, I'm totally stunned. <laughs> and what better way to, to lead into this week's list than having said we won't count the films that we normally talk about a lot, except for Total Recall in Wayne's case. Wayne, take us away with your number ten. No, no, I'm not there. Um, I just want to say something here. I had to Google what dystopian means because in my head it was post-apocalyptic, but that's not the case, Paul. Uh, what it he, says here is, is go on, go well, on. It says here. I hate to be this guy, but the the definition is. Relating to or denoting an imagined state or society where there is great suffering or injustice, and then in quotes, the dystopian future of a, of a society bereft of reason. I so think that's the, injustice is the right word. Injustice, I, I agree. So that's a little open to interpretation, but we'll see how we go. I think it does cross a lot, not genres, but there's a lot of films that probably fall into that category yeah. that at first glance may not. And I did a bit of research online and made sure, and obviously our Facebook community Really welcome this topic. Had a great bunch of feedback there as well. We'll get to that in the pop 10, mm. including, of course, David's top 10, which we will cover at the end of the show. So, yeah, you're not going to be short of a dystopian film to go away and watch at by the end of this hour, give or take. Damn right. And uh, we'll start it off with my number 10, The Book of Eli. Oh. You remember this shit? Some Hughes Brothers action. Hughes Brothers, deep cuts. Everyone, this is some Denzel film. Denzel. Gary Oldham, Mila Kunis, Ray Stevenson, Jennifer Beals, what a feeling. And it's about, well, it's totally like post-apocalyptic and it's, uh, it's set like 30 years after the war turned the world into a wasteland. There's this one dude, lone warrior, 
Denzel marches across the ruins, the ruins landscape, and he's carrying the hope for humanity's redemption, shall we say. But it's only one other guy in the whole movie, Gary Oldman, who's the bad guy, who understands what the power Eli carries is, and he's trying to take it out for himself. Now, this film, Eli, Denzel, prefers peace, but he will risk death to protect the thing that he's carrying, which I won't spoil. But what happens in this film? I don't know if you've... I, uh, I saw it again maybe five once, years ago. once when yeah. it came out. Like, we're talking circa 2010? Yeah. Now, what happens with this film is that, first of all, it is the most ass-kicking like Denzel has ever been. The action scenes and the fight whoa, scenes whoa, in this... Yo, whoa, yo, yo, whoa, yo, yo, yo. The Equalizer 1 and 2. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what The Equalizer could have been if it wasn't for all of the fucking... What's the, that's what the director I hate? Antoine Fuqua. Antoine Fuqua. All the Fuquing. I will tell you this. Action scene upon action scene is wicked. There's one fight scene where it's just silhouettes, but you see the ching, 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 and Denzel carries this big-ass knife. It's not just a case of he's fighting off people with the knife. Everyone gets beheaded. Ching, 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 boom, 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 boom. Limbs go, this, that. It's real hammer time the whole time. And through the whole film, you're seeing him. There's a lot of religious bent on it because he's supposed to be a man of peace and all that sort of shit, right? But Sounds like it. Oh, yeah, I know. That's why it's funny. But then at the end of the film, there is a mega twist, which I, I remember, did not I see. I remember the coming. twist. You remember the twist, right? And it's really, really cool. Don't Didn't recommend people coming. would see it coming. Hey? Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone's seen the film and knows the ending, you know exactly what that gag was. So, a uh, very strong cast, all act brilliantly. And I think because of the twist at the end, people will either love it or think it's too silly. But I, I de- I, a second watch of this film may change your mind. I'm just saying. The Book of Eli is some class shit. I, I would watch this film. Once when it came out, thought it was fine. So yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, I liked it a lot. Nice, That's very lot. nice. My number ten is his classic. Goes back as far as my list it does to 1976. Wayne, holy shit, we it were one. Is Logan's Run. Logan's Run. <laughs> Tell me about Logan's Run. <laughs> That's, the, That's the Hispanic version. So on. <laughs> Based on the 1967 novel of the same name by William F. Nolan and George Clayton. This is set in the year 2274. And it basically portrays this idyllic community mm-hmm. whose citizens are only allowed to live to be 30 years of age and they have to do this whole rite of passage that's called carousel. Really? And they're led to believe that will take you on to paradise. So hmm. you're only allowed to live here until you're 30 and then you've got to do this thing. Turns out that they're being sacrificed to prevent overpopulation and those who attempt to flee are deemed runners and are tracked down by a team of sandmen to return to their duties. And Michael York is the main yeah, character. Yeah, He's a sandman. Yeah. And he learns the real way the world works. And huh. then through his actions brings about a whole overthrowing of this community. Now, this is a classic, of course. Everyone mm-hmm. mostly knows about this. I have not seen it. I'm asking you now, how do they kill people, Paul? Do you remember? Is it a very nice death or do they go... I don't get... think so. No. I, honestly, I can't remember. I do remember how they get out there. Um, they'll shoot anyone who runs. Just okay, basically. so obviously Pretty boring, it's just like take them out. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just they walk them into... Uh, I don't know if it's... <laughs> it's you know World War Two gas chamber type stuff. But yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, okay, and it's a good ass film. Yeah, look, I I loved this film when I watched it when I was a little kid. As you'd like every film. Yeah, and I watched it when I was 11, 10, 11, somewhere around that age, mm. and like well, being blown away by the concept. But it's more the fact that as far as if we were ranking dystopian worlds, yeah, this is probably really high on my list. So, but it's hard to rank a seventy six film against. Some Absolutely of the stuff not. that comes yeah. has come since and is better made and, exactly. and the like. But this is one of Michael York's most famous films. So. Speaking of, yeah, when you see movies when you're young, you're so easily impressed. I yes. would have put Megaforce on this list had I known that. 
Because I remember going, I can't believe how good this film was. And it's Barry Boswick. Barry Boswick, mate, and Spin City Mayor. And it's, he's got the most windswept fucking, <laughs> a lot of spandex, a lot of fucking bikes flying in the air, which look like shit. Fantastic. But not. So, yes. Inconceivable. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right, that's well, number 10. Over to you for you for your number nine. On a somewhat similar note, my number nine is a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, here we go. Okay. Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I get it. Oh, man. Okay, so everyone, Demolition Man's got Sliced Alone and Wedley Snipes, and also Sandy B. Bullock uh, is in it. And it's about, well, it's the future, and he, uh, what happens is this cop, Sly, is chasing the bad guy, Wesley Snipes, and supposedly all these victims get caught in the crossfire between their things, so they, they the, the, the council or whatever, the law, they sentence both... Sly and Wesley to a cryo sentence, we're called cryo prison, where they actually freeze you in in cryogenic whatever chambers. And what happens is when you're thought out like 36 years later, because that's your sentence, it's 2032, Los Angeles is now like this utopia called San Angeles. Uh, but then of course, Wesley Snipes gets woken up and it becomes all hammer time again. Now, this film is the shit, in my opinion, <laughs> because I actually consider it, I don't know if it's a, if it's a cult classic, it probably isn't. But I consider it kind of a classic. Uh, I don't think cult's the right word because don't you have to be pretty shit ass on debut? This money made this movie made a lot of money. Oh, this made a ton of money, yeah. but the, so it's not a cult, can't be a cult classic. Then. Well, there's a lot of practical effects actually because there's a lot of one-liners and stuff like that. And one of the one of the best things about the film is like, for example, that in the future it's so utopian that you can't curse, which means I can't live there. But <laughs> uh, and when you do curse, there's a, a machine. You that, can't handle the truth. <laughs> well, everything every time you curse, there's a swear machine that goes pow pow and issues you with a fucking. Wayne so would be. I'd be broke. Zucked. Broke. Okay, so, and this is funny because every Go back time. Go and check it out. PG 13 G rated. Oh, episodes. God. That was a. Yeah, no, it didn't work out. But th- that's the thing. Every time someone curses in the film, it's like their greeting is be well. And was this like, like, be fucked. You hear it all in the back. Anytime someone curses, there's that in the background. I'm like, piss funny. What happens is Sandy B is the chick who like like she's got a thing about the the yesteryear in the eighties or whatever. Which Nostalgic. Is where, yeah, which is where Sly comes from. So there's that thing going on. Ooh, they don't so actually Sly somehow hooks up with Sandy B. Well, here's the thing, Paul. They See. don't actually have sex. No, they hold. They put on VR helmets and have virtual pork, and that's because um, I guess it Wayne can't against... understand. Well, Sly was very upset about it. He's like, I haven't touched you yet, and she's like, Well, sex is like messy, gross, and gross, and it's like, Shh. yeah. So that's would be shit. However, I. <laughs> I will tell you, there are things in here. Like, for example, there's no actual burgers. So they go to the underground and Slice Alone gets offers this there's burgers actu- in actual World. burgers, Paul, I'm talking about. And then he's eating his, oh, thanks very much. And then she's like, what are you eating? He's like, it's a burger. It's great. We used to have them back in the 80s. She's like, do you see any cows down here? And he's like, uh-oh, is this a rat burger? Yes. That kind of shit, all right? There's, of course, the three shells in the, in the future. Yes. You don't wipe your ass with paper. You use three shells, and it's never explained what exactly happens, but we know, Paul. We don't apparently, know. No, here's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to take one of the shells, and I think you shit. No, you don't shit into it. You kind of... Yeah, you do. You shit in the shell and you drop it. Oh no, you scoop Why off the side. Why would you shit into the shell and you sit no on the idea. toilet? Forget that. Why would you take the second shell and scrape all the crap off your ass with it? All right. What's the third shell for? I think the third shell is... Nah, no, you, you, know it was, it. you know what it was? It was the two shells. You use it like a pincer to pull the shits out of your ass, which is just ridiculous. And then the third shell is to clean up all the residue, which is just... My use reaction a bidet. to all use that is... They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, this is shit. it works. <laughs> it no works. pun intended. <laughs> The, well, and the other thing that did offend me about the movie is that in the future, all formal wear is kimonos. Like it's that fucking Japanese robe type shit. No one wears a suit anymore. No, people. 
The whole point of a suit is to make you look sharp like like a blade, not like look like you're wearing pajamas. So that's obviously no pun intended. Very stupid. Wesley Snipes in this film. Yes. <laughs> well done, asshole. Why is number nine? Is a film of questionable content demolition slash man. quality. My number nine is not. Well, I think it's probably the same at one level. It's a film which was released to Netflix here in Australia. It's called What Happened to Monday. Yes, I've seen this film yeah. and agree it's very, very good. Yeah, directed by Tommy... What's his name? Not Boisel. <laughs> Wakola. Yeah. Yeah, and it basically stars Numi Rapace in a world where there's you're only allowed one strict child because we're so op- overpopulated. If you have more than one child, you are killing the universe. And then we get a poor mother who, through no fault of her own, has septuplets, seven children at once. And so... Are they all, they all look the same, yes? Yeah, they're all going to be replaced once, once they grow up. And so their solution is, because there can only be one of them, mm-hmm. is they all do go to work one day a week and live hiding out in this apartment where they've all somehow grown up and been taught by Christoph Waltz. And they all have a, a name which is the day of the week. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're basically the same actor. I can see where you got that mixed up. <laughs> I was going to leave that one in there. Yeah, it is in there. Holy shit. Yeah. Anyway, so then when one of them goes missing, it sets into motion a whole series of events where their whole, not even idyllic, but their lifestyle, their life is is completely compromised. And what will happen to the seven versions thereof? And spoilers, they don't all live. This Dude, this is, is ha- this is a harsh ass film. And this is why Paul likes it because motherfuckers yep. went down, yep. right? But it is like not what you think it would be, which is why it's definitely recommended. Even for me. So yeah, nice. what happened to uh, Monday? Really good film, really interesting idea, and really well directed. So yeah, big ticks. Uh, Numeri Pace kills it as seven different characters because that must have been a hell of a job. I hope she yeah. paid a shit ton of money. That's right. She's on set they every are day. all discernible. You know, there's one that's the sort of buttoned up type, and there's one who's the neurotic type, and there's one who's the alternative type, and yeah, one who's sort of the she's a martial artist. That's what she spends her time when she's not at work doing. So cool shit. This mm. one. What happened to Monday? My number nine. Very nice. By contrast, my number eight is the fifth element. Oh, <laughs> no. Big butter boom. No. Big butter boom. So, everyone, I love this show. That should be a whole fucking review. Moving on. Every fucking critic shat on this film. All right, including, including Paul. Moi. Yes, it's set in the 23rd century. A New York City cabbie, Corbin Dallas, who is Bruce Willis, finds the fate of the world in his hands when Lilu Milohovich falls into his cab. And it becomes like she's the embodiment of the fifth element, which is supposed to be like she combines with the other four elements to keep the great approaching evil from destroying the world. It's very melodramatic because Gary Oldman is the bad guy. Chris Tucker is this ruby rod motherfucker, right? And it's a, it's a show about saving humanity, essentially. But it's a Luc Besson film. So one, so therefore, it is probably so one. Paul shit. hates it, yes. And two, uh, every critic they were talking on the can, they were actually using it as the butt of their joke. It's like you come to Cannes to see a real movie, or if you don't like that, go see The Fifth Element. <laughs> they were doing that, right? Uh, so, I actually think I'm in the minority here. I think most people, most genre film loving people, like The Fifth Element. Do you know what it is? The thing about this film is that. I think at the time it came out, you've got many sci-fi films doing like monochromatic color schemes and they've, you know, dingy hallways and it was this. The Fifth Element is very colorful and it's actually quite yep. a utopian future where there's a lot of... You know, well, in that case, what's it doing on this list? Because, Paul, <laughs> they all the same shit happens. Like it doesn't... The, the, um, it's still a future where bad shit is about to happen. So I'd, I would say it's dystopian, to be sure. Absolutely. In fact... For the voters next week, when, when you're voting... Only one of us will use the word utopian in a dystopian list. Oh, kiss my big <laughs> vagina. The- <laughs> 
But it's the flair in the film, I think, that goes there. Because there is humor in the film, which Paul would hate. Because, And I will say, some parts are cheesy. Chris okay? Tucker fucking sucks in this movie. See, I laughed at that moment. So I'm okay what with that. The moment is like, multiple fucking yeah, the, the main scene was where he's got the, like, you know, but that was fine. But um, funny thing about this film, the hero and the villain never meet. Right. So it's like, oh, well, that's interesting because Gary gets busted with a Interesting slash badly plotted. No, I say it's good. I think it's actually one of those films. And again, because you would say that apparently Luke Besson like put this thing together and wrote it when he was like 12 and he's developed it ever since. You can tell it was it kind of... It feels like it. Yeah, you actually can't... I will agree. You can tell that it's done by sort of a kid and it's got, you know, Sideshow Luke Perry in it and stuff. And stuff. <laughs> but like, it is actually beautiful to look at. And we, we all dig the, the Hohovich, don't oh, we? Frankly... No, no, not Yehovich, but but this film. <laughs> I think I'd rather eat some piss. Well, you know, fuck you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a comeback right there, my friend. Um, fair so enough, fair enough. Yes, love love the movie. Uh, I wonder if anyone else does. We'll soon see. All right, my number eight is uh, a David Cronenberg joint. It's my favorite David Cronenberg film, as I discovered having recently done a big binge watch of them through well, he's only the done- Binge Movies podcast. Okay. So head on over, check out that episode from, I think, last season, at the time of recording, of course, Videodrome. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm glad James... you didn't say No, no, that film doesn't. That was a piece of shit. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I certainly didn't hate it the second time. I think from vague memory, that was my fourth. In How the many five... penis metaphors can you stick yeah. it? Anyway, you go Videodrome, however, is a film which is basically about uh, Max Wren, who's a sleazy, sleazy TV executive who's looking for the next cheap thing to put on his pseudo soft porn television station or... or is it uh, James Woods? Yeah, James yeah, Woods. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And he's lured by this mystery of this apparently Malaysian signal which is depicting torture and potentially snuff films. Okay. That, that's sort of he's managed to tap into and he's asking his tech guy to try and steal the feed and put it maybe on their show and then his lover is hmm. Deborah Harry and yeah, Deborah yeah. Harry is full on into being hurt and whatever. So he says, I'm going to go there and, and have this happen to me and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Hmm. And then it just goes down this really mind-bending sort of David Cronenberg e. video yeah. machines that are vaginas and sucking There's shit your vagina and peeing. There you yeah. go. All that kind of stuff. And then eventually it's all about this sort of war about controlling the message. Whoever controls the message controls society. And it's really interesting, engaging, and a bit of a mind fuck as David, best of David Cronenberg films are. But clearly society is not a good place where... They're trying to take over society with root out the resistance in this way and then kill all these people who are watching this fucking channel. So, yeah. So, um, what year? Like way back in the day? 83. 83. The reason it works is because it postulated that video would be this thing. It actually turns out to be the internet. So, you have to sort of just take one step or three steps forward. Okay. when When you consider the medium being the internet, it is very prophetic. It is very profound. It's an excellent film. And well deserving of a rewatch, even almost thirty years later. Nice. Okay. Cool. My number seven is possibly a bit contro. Oh, here we go. It's Waterworld. <laughs> it's Waterworld. Shock horror. Number one on the pop ten feedback was your cousin Ash Brow, who said Waterworld, suck it, bitches, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? My cousin's like this one. Yeah. Well, really should, one I, of them does. I really should read this. <laughs> before I do the show. Yeah, okay, so Waterworld was... If anyone was alive in 1995... <laughs> <laughs> Alice is not all under 27. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, they, um, it's about, essentially, the melting of the polar ice caps, and so most of the globe is now underwater. Some humans have survived, and even fewer still, notably Kevin Costner, 
has adapted to the ocean by developing gills, okay? And he's a loner by nature, so the mariner, he's got webbed toes and who knows what his dick looks like, but he... Um, <laughs> he can- <laughs> He can swim and shit like that and breathe underwater, which means he can go downstairs, I mean downstairs, down to the ocean's like floor and get dirt. Dirt is the thing that is actually worth money and shit up in the thing. Because which is a clever idea, right? Very clever you can't idea. get it. Very clever idea. everything's underwater. That's right. And, um, I'm not sure what you do with it. Yeah, I think that is just, because it's so ungettable, it is a medium that you can then trade for shit, much like money, because it's hard to counterfeit. Boom. So... What's good about the film, though, is uh, it's got Jan Triplehorn, Kevin, and Dennis Hopper in it, and it was dragged through the fucking like everyone loved to shit on Waterworld because what happened because was that was the most expensive film of all time, right? Budget of one seventy two million ended up getting to two thirty five million. This is back in ninety five when a million dollars was a lot of money, and one seventy five million. Damn. Yeah. 122. Yeah. And then once the marketing and distribution, the film actually grossed 88 million at the North American box office. But by the time overseas happened, it made 264. So it did actually pay for itself, but no one's happy about it. This is after a long, long. Yeah. Maybe maybe not after all advertising and whatever else is taken into well, account. Well, the, the 235. Once DVDs and whatever are taken into account. Yeah. I think eventually it went to profit. But what was big about this was that. Kevin Costner was riding high at the time, okay? Yeah, this is not that long after Dances with Wolves. Absolutely, and everyone wanted to tear him down. So everyone started talking. Every article was about, he fucked this up, and he fucked that up, and now it's shit, and now it's shit. Oh, him and his best mate. Oh, this is four years after Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Yes. Which also directed by Kevin Reynolds, and these two were were thick as thieves, no pun intended. Mm. And then this film happens, and apparently they have the massive falling out. That's what happened. Yeah. Now, I will say about the film that because apparently when you, I, mean, I guess this is just every, when you shoot on water, it's already more expensive. Because literally they had to build oh, these atolls and they had to build islands to actually house all of the fucking well, they, This film was so big that Universal invested in a water world fucking performance at, at its theme park in LA. That's right. And that's why it all jumps around. But like in terms of the movie itself, every fucking dollar is on the screen. Like it's, it's, this is a practical effects back in 95, okay? So there's none of this like, you know, CGI everything. There's a couple of like interesting kind of it's 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 kind of ahead of its time with the whole global warming thing and so on. Mm, okay, um, yeah, I see that. You know, dwindling natural resources, that kind of thing. But it's a it's it's a tad Ripley and Newt from Aliens in places, right? Because of the young girl in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as a rule, though, the action scenes in it are really good. The only thing that that made me think mm, at the end was that bad guys on jet skis all trying to converge on the same point like to get this girl or whatever <laughs> then Kevin Costa bungee jumps <laughs> onto that spot because bungee jumping was big in 95 everyone <laughs> <laughs> grabs the girl pulls her out and all the three guys just hit each other and explode <laughs> <laughs> but, seems plausible seems plausible but I'll tell you what it's a fun watch uh, so I actually absolutely stand behind this thing I'll tell you what's a, a fun watch Wayne what my number seven alright what's well, so it's a way fun seven. in the water world let's go the running man Man, I just put, I just took it off my Ooh, list. Okay. So yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Tell us about the Running Man, Paul. Stars Arnold Schwarzenegger Paul in Ryan. a Richard Bachman, aka Stephen King novella adaptation, and this is set in a world in the future, 2017. Mm-hmm. Obviously, made 1987, in which uh, the global economy has collapsed and American society become a totalitarian police state, censoring all cultural activity, and the government pacifies the populace by broadcasting a number of game shows in which it's extremely violent and the like. So here's how you get your outlet. And the number one ranking show is The Running Man, where they basically put a dude who's been put on death row and say, here, here you go, 
you now need to run the ga- the gauntlet and try and defeat our champions like yes. Buzzsaw yeah, and, and fucking, fucking whatever else coming. Dynamo and all those stuff. That's it, yep. <laughs> Including Jesse the Body Ventura. That's right, full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Brown as Fireball. And as you said, Erlander Van Lips as Fireball. So I just think this film is horrendously fun. It's Arnold. It's like Arnold at the height of his. I just, agree. Just. It goes on to make Terminator 2, which is a wonderful film, which stands the test of time. Running Man doesn't, in a sense, and certainly <laughs> as much as we might laugh about where the world has got to in terms of politics, is not Running Man level in 2017, though it arguably predated reality TV. That's right. But arguably it did. Like, that's kind of prophetic, yeah, Stephen King's yeah, idea. I would agree. It's taken it to the nth level, but, like, we watch this shit all the time. Put people in an environment, ask them to compete. Survivor, Amazing Race, fucking Big Brother. Totally. To so, e- yeah. Yeah, this film has uncomfortable amounts of relevance to our current day. To me, when this, when this thing came out, there was a sort of like, I don't know, it wasn't really a triumvirate of like the Arnie films, but you knew about Predator, you knew about, you know, fucking, you know, I guess Commando, I don't know. But The Running Man was one of his like things. And the idea of him running, literally running around in his like, you know, sort of tracksuit or whatever in the game and defeating bad guy but hero guy after bad hero guys guy. yeah, yeah stalkers guys. they're cool there's a few like this it's weird because like like they just catch his friends mid mid show and just like we'll just throw him into the game they threw was it maria conchita oh, no, yeah, yeah yeah they threw her in she's in a chick now Alon- you know, alonzo yeah. alonzo she's in there and so it's like it becomes like this cool kind of shit but i remember that like arnie was like because one one guy's name is sub-zero and he's like talking to the camera sub-zero now playing zero <laughs> <laughs> 100% um, spot on. Pure Buzz class. Or, pure class. Yeah. And that Damon guy that like, you know, yeah, that was the, the Richard, uh, Richard, Damon Killian is Damon Killian. Played by Richard Dawson. Yes. And this is back when Arnie was saying, I'll be back. Yeah. Right? Only in a rerun. Only in a rerun. So you're, want, you're still at this stage want, like, oh, where's he going to work it in? And that's where he put yeah. it in. Good shit. Good shit. So yeah, I do. I, yeah, this is an old favorite of mine. Just nice. on my honorable mention. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, what's your number six? My number six is a film that I don't know how everyone feels about this, but I've always thought it was cool. It was I Am Legend. Yeah, We're I'm talking not, I'm about not with you. Yeah? yeah, no, it's definitely a dystopian film, no doubt. But no, but I you're not a fan. Uh, no. See, oddly, this is about a. It's based on some 1954 novel, but it stars Will Smith as a scientist who's stuck alone in an abandoned New York City after zombies ravaged the country, and he's a virologist, so he's trying to find a cure for the disease. Spends his days wandering the city with his dog, trapping mutants, trying to actually do experiments on them. And they only come out at night. So what's sort of interesting about it is he's just driving around in this souped-up car in New York and he's looting everyone's fucking building to see what cool shit he can find so he can try and continue his research to try and kill all the zombies. Now, apparently, first of all, this film is the thing that made Will Smith the action hero, like the, the, the worldwide action star. I still star. think it's fucking Independence Day. I don't understand why he reckons, he reckons, I heard on an interview, he said this is the one that... Really, you know you're right, you think Independence Day Do you know Day what is? stopped Will Smith from being... <laughs> the worldwide action hero slash star that he is might be slapping a yeah. dude on live yeah. TV. I don't know. Just we're guessing here. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> by the way, he's immune to the virus, and that's what this whole thing is. He's trying to he's do not tests immune on to the fucking internet virus that comes no. from slapping someone. No, he's not. I wonder what's happening to him nowadays. He just came out with a statement just recently for the first time since what do you say? the Oscars. Uh, look, I, honestly, I didn't even read the article. It was something along the lines of just backing up what Yada Pinkett Smith had said. Fuck Yada, um, <laughs> <laughs> Jada. <laughs> Um, but uh, 
the, the interesting thing that I did not know when I saw it is, of course, when, something that probably we all know is that the film drew some controversy for changing the ending. Yep. And the idea Massively. Here, yeah. Now, which I why, actually... Which just makes me want to piss all over it. See, I liked the ending. I didn't know shit about the book. When he decides to take himself out with the grenade or whatever and take out the motherfuckers, that was like, yeah, that's a big ending because the hero kills himself. But still to... talking about him coming back in the sequel. How, Paul? I... That's how shit ass this fucking ending is. I guarantee you there's no fucking talk of him coming back in a sequel no, now. But what was interesting to me was that the alternate ending is that, oh, the actual vampires are the new occupants of the planet. That was the way the film ended. Uh, the book, uh, the ended. book ended. And then this Robert Neville guy, Will Smith, was actually the threat that they were all yep. scared of. Which makes sense, which is really interesting. Yep. So I will admit that's actually a so lot So he is a legend because he is the boogeyman in the yes, night. Yes, but we've been on his side the whole time. Yep. So that's a little cool. So that's why I like the show. Very clever. Um, great, it was almost this or iRobot. I really like iRobot. Actually, I, was, I don't mind the film, though I did re-watch it Nine or ten years ago, and it was nowhere near as good as when I yeah, first Yeah, I had a feeling it wouldn't hold up, but I always dug that iRobot. But yeah, there you are. A film which I love, though, which I have not rewatched. I've got to admit, since. Oh, have I? No, I've watched it twice, and it has a TV show now on Netflix because that's how powerful the premise is. Which Nicholas Haskins of Nicholas Kitchen hates, and this has lost me his vote 100%. But Snowpiercer. Right, ho, Snowpiercer. Bong yeah. Joon Ho's no, uh, film starring Chris Evans. Mm hmm. The entire world has been reduced to one train in an apocalypse where we've bombed ourselves into non-existence. And they're on a train track which circumnavigates the globe. Mm -hmm. Get over it, Nick. And <laughs> Because you can't stop because it's all cold and shit. Yep. And you have to keep moving. Yeah, so everything's freezing and I have to just keep moving. And over the 20 or 30 years since this has happened, I can't remember. Life has devolved into classes. So the front of the train is first class. Rich people. The back of the train is the people who get murdered and killed and fed as it turns out into jello shit jello shit that everyone else has to eat mm -hmm. and that the film is the revolution that takes place so it's this class action basically film yeah. so Captain America is fighting his way to the front yep. of the train basically along with Song Kang Ho and Jamie Bell as two of his accomplices okay so First of all, the idea that Bong Joon-ho, who doesn't really speak English very well, actually created an English-speaking film with English-speaking actors mostly, uh, is amazing. I don't know how he did that. He must have had a translator the whole time. Oh, of and course. I, but, like, that's nuts, dude. I wouldn't try and direct no. a Japanese I mean, How hard it would be to direct a film anyway, a big-budget film, secondly. And then thirdly, I don't speak the language. Let's that's the magic, bro. That's but the magic. It's all nuance, man. Who goes on to, to win the Academy Award in six or seven years' time because that, clearly that's how much talent he has. Language is no barrier. Agreed. That is amazing. Yep. Having said that, I gotta say, when I saw this film, I was a little fucking bored. I don't know what it what? was. I don't know. This didn't. I only seen it once. All right, I only seen it once. But it it's seemed my to drag. Two thousand and thirteen. Sweet balls, really. Jesus. Okay. I almost liked the TV show bit a bit better, although I did bow out of that. But um, well, I haven't gone back. I've started season two. I haven't. And not because it's, it's bad. It's because there's so much content out there which oh, yeah. I'm trying to keep up with for the show. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? So how was season one of the show? Season one was good. Yeah, we watched it. We, I think yeah, we, we watched a couple. We of the reviewed episodes. the first one to three episodes, yeah. and I continued. I finished. And I liked what I saw. Yeah, so yeah, good. fair enough. But a little bit boysish to make reference to our upcoming review episode coming out just soon thereafter. This does spin its wheels to get back to the same place a bit. And again, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah, there's one circuit of a train, so I get it. Okay, fair enough. All right, that's nice my one. number six. What's your number five? My number five is 12 Monkeys. Yeah, I totally can monkeys. see. Terry Gilliam. Everyone. Terry Gilliam is like a name which is, just, is synonymous with dystopian. That's true. And Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, you know what? 
Terry Gilliam did that movie with um, Keith Ledger and Matt Damon, um, The Brothers Grimm, and that was a rare misstep for him. I, I remember just going, that is expensive. Brazil, which shit. I've never seen, which I I've keep, not keep seen telling me that's an amazing film. Yeah, but 12 Monkeys has got Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt in it. And in the future, a man-made deadly virus has devastated most of it. Oh, God. This has actually happened now. Um, and a convict is sent back in time in, to 1996 to collect information to help scientists develop a cure. That convict is Bruce Willis. Now, the film here is why I love it so much. I th- well, I love it. I do love it. I do love it. Because I saw it, I didn't know what to expect. This was where Brad Pitt was playing this like weird, like cockeyed dude who was like, and that you know, because he's so pretty, he was. This was expanding crazy, crazy, right? Crazy. A lot of language of nineteen ninety five ish. This is not like what I consider a Terry Gilliam film like at all. It was really, really harsh, and it was really like Bruce Willis fighting animals and shit, trying to go back in time, and it was highly conceptual. And the ending of it is exceedingly, exceedingly dark. Like it isn't like oh everything turns out at the end. No, you pretty much humanity's fucked, and it was done on purpose. Yep. And so and they made for, a TV show after it, sci-fi TV show, sci-fi channel TV show. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, it's it's a it's it's a for a dark show like this to ha- to capture my interest so much was very very cool. Uh, so and I think this is the first time I noticed that Brad Pitt was actually the man. Acting. Like in terms of acting, it's like oh, so he's not just the cowboy and Thelma and Louise. So you know, there you go. Uh, Twelve Monkeys, big fan, everyone. Yeah, nice choice, and absolutely on my honorable mentions. My finally, we go from one Bruce Willis vehicle to another. My number five is Looper. Oh, uh, slightly low. Slightly, okay, slightly great. Low. Ryan Johnson film. Just a really cool idea where in this film, the time travel is possible to go back mm-hmm. in time and. It will be illegal and only available on the black market. When the mob wants to get rid of someone, they will send their target back 30 years into the past where a looper or high gun like Joe is waiting to blow them away. This film goes in directions you just don't see coming. Absolutely. Including this mutant kind of superpower. That's what it is. The first half hums and then the second half you see the Emily Bluntness of it all and... There's this like, uh, you know, the, yeah, in the future, there's this guy that levels everyone and it turns out it's her fucking son. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, it is so, the opening bit where Paul Dano is rushing towards and something. Getting pieces cut off Getting himself. pieces cut off him in the past, but they're scratching like yep. the directions on his arm. So he's seeing it. Oh my God. No, stop, stop, stop. I've never seen that done before. So I can see why Ryan Johnson gets Star Wars and fucks it up. Because uh, <laughs> because this shit is inspired. I've never seen anything like that. And you know what was cool about this show, right? The um, I remember seeing an interview with Ryan Johnson where he said the mechanism or the, the, the visual of people coming back from the future is just boom they just appear yeah, in and a scene. that's what he did yeah, right? just edit and then people the the, the, the the producers are like wow that'll look cool once you add all the fucking special effects yeah, what special like, effects? Uh, there's no special effects that's what it looks like and you know what it's all the better for it because it makes it more grounded somehow. Yes, no, 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 it makes perfect sense. It does yeah, make it more grounded. It does. And then, like, we can't get ahead around time travel and what it would actually look like because it's not possible. Totally. So, therefore, just make it be blip. Here you are. And I appreciate that they made Joe Gordon Levitt wear prosthetics to make him actually look like Bruce Willis. More like Bruce Willis, yep. Instead of like just, oh, this is what he looked like when he was young. He looks nothing like he does now. So, uh, yeah, this is a great fucking movie. And you know what? Some people call it a B movie sci fi thriller. Surely not. Like, it's Bruce Willis. It's Joe Gordon Levitt. It probably had a budget the size of my dick. Um, Sixty-six million, slightly it's smaller. <laughs> so, <it's a laughs> why is it seventy-five million dollar dick? I'm Asian. It's about twenty bucks. Um, so, 
Um, but yes, it's a th- yeah. This is a, this is an old fave, I reckon, of this one. This is classic. Nice. Son. Classic. Glad here's on your list. We'll find out how high your number four. My number four will surprise you, Paul, because it's a quiet place. Whoa! I know. I put a fucking what you might call a horror. I didn't even think movie. about this movie. Yeah, because it's dystopian future, bro. It's like the aliens, or actually a dystopian society. Where the aliens fuck yes, your shit up yep, yep. if you make if you if you it's, make a noise. I guess it's full of injustice because aliens don't don't pander to our sense of it. And it's it's a well, it's overtaken by violent, powerful monsters yeah. attracted to even the smallest sound. So you got your your John Krasinski and Emily Blunt again as the Abbott family with their two kids. I didn't go monsters. I went with humans the whole way. Hmm. Yeah, right. Interesting. Odd, odd choice, eh? So, um, them trying to evade the monsters and make their way through, and even the sequel is the fucking bomb, right? I was a big fan of both of these things, but once again, because it's a horror slash whatever movie, and I still like it, I thought it was great. You and I, I think we saw it in the cinema. Not, you could hear a pin drop because the whole movie is quiet. I saw it separate time to you because I remember going to the advanced screening by myself. Ah. And I remembered some dude's phone going off with AFL commentary. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, that motherfucker needs to get taken out by a monster. But yep. the kid in this is just a revelation. Which one? Uh, Regan, uh, what her name is? Character Regan. She's um, no Simmons. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the daughter, Millicent uncle. Simmons. I think it is. Yeah, yep. yeah. But everyone is amazing in this film, and I think, yeah, I wonder what he, what, what he's going to do next, other than be Reed Richards. I was going to say, I believe it's Fantastic Four. That's what's next. Well, the talk is that him? he's not going to be necessarily oh, Reed really? Richards because that's an alternate. It could be anyone. But anyone can it now? Well, that's the thing. Anyone who has the same person and other people, in it, so we've had the same Peggy Carter from a different dimension. You can't play with it that way. Well, you've in the, in Doctor Strange, you've got uh, a different Mrs. Marvel. I mean, Mark, Captain Marvel. It's the the African American girl. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. In 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 Doctor Strange, because Cap- in, no, in our dimension, she grows up to be Captain Marvel too. Monica Monica Rhodes or whatever. Rambo. Rambo. Monica Rambo. No, no. But in that in the in the here's the thing. In the Doctor Strange movie, he's in an alternate dimension where anyone can be anyone. So John Krasinski do there have, doesn't have to be in our time. Why do we have a Peggy Carter being Captain? I think it's just coincidence. America. Yeah, I don't. But Captain it. Marvel's different, so that's a whole different thing. Yeah. See? I'm not buying it. I know. We'll see what they like do. They want to have their cake and eat it too. Well, who are they going to put in there if it's not him? If the fans already chose him, I don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't, give, I don't care know. about Fantastic <laughs> Four. Fantastic Flaps might be good, man. I mean, Sue Storm. I don't know. I don't know. All right. One number four. Can't have Mad Max Fury Road. We'll have Mad Max 2. Call <laughs> on the Road Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> now, this film is where we get the actual world that we see. Mad Max, the first film, is kind of straddling the divide where the world is falling into ruin. This film, the world is ruined. Explain and, to me this, Paul. Yep. So I never saw any of these. Actually, no, I saw this one. I saw what? the I saw the Road Warrior because I I, I can't hate post apocalyptic shit. Ah. So the first Mad Max, you got Mel Gibson chilling in his car. Is that right? And it's more of a he's not actually in a dystopian future. He's just pissed off. Is that right? He's mad, if you will. What is that with the plot of the first? The first one, one is honestly can't remember what blows the doors off the universe slash our world, but. It's happening through the course of the film. So okay, so lawlessness a- is becoming increased. Like it's too hard to police shit, and he is a cop, whatever he is, and his, yeah. his family gets targeted by tow cutter and the like, and and murdered, and so he goes off on this bloody. It's more Got a it. revenge film than right, else, right. That's right. what I thought. But then here- this one is now years into the future beyond that, and everything has devolved into chaos. And right. in Australia, it's just desert landscapes and whatever. Whereas the first one looks like it's shot on fucking sandy beaches. Yeah. With, with the corner shop just around the corner, we can get some fish and chips afterwards. So there's still infrastructure, but here it's all fucked. This film is like 
balls to the wall, world has gone to seed and Max gets involved in this altercation between this bikey gang and this air, this bunch of people who have access to fuel resources and he's trying to protect them and blah, 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 and the feral kid and some of the greatest for 1981 action sequences you can hope to see involving moving vehicles. All the potential of Mad Max Fury Road without probably, I would imagine, one, uh, one, one tenth of the budget well, is yeah. here for you. I seem to remember from this film him eating dog food. Yep. Um, him putting a pan under a truck because it was leaking oil or petrol. And then a dude with a helicopter, yep. gyroscope yeah, thing. Gyroscope. Gyro. Yeah, that was cool. And then I saw in the movies Beyond Chunderdome. So that was the third one, obviously. <laughs> and I remember watching this with my then girlfriend, now wife. And she was saying, oh, I've not seen this in 20 years. And no movie stands up for that long, not one. And then 95 minutes in, she said, you know what? This film holds up. Really? That's, that's quite high praise. Nice one. It's just minimalistic storytelling. It's much. It's the same template as Fury Road, just done with a smaller budget without the bombasticness of it, but still delivering on all those fronts. So, yeah, Mad Max 2, The Road Warriors, my right number four. George, what's the director? Miller. George Miller is this shit, isn't he? To swing like this and do all this shit and still be doing Fury Road. And In a month like or so's time, we'll be reviewing his latest film, 3,000 Years of Longing, which looks awesome as well. How old is he? 74-ish. Fucking more power to you, son. Mm. All right. Uh, my number three was Looper, bro. So uh, we're going back to you. My number three is my foreign language film entry onto the list, Battle Royale. Ah, I need to stick this up here. In the near future, following a major recession, the Japanese government has passed the BR Act to curb the nation's juvenile delinquency. And how do they do that? By taking a random class every year and sticking them on this island and saying, you will kill each other till the last person is left and allowed to leave. And so... We will pick on your class if your class is particularly delinquent. And at the start of the film, one of the characters kills a teacher. Okay, so I've not seen this, Paul. Um, and Gotta much, this much to everyone's chagrin. Absolutely have to watch this movie. Okay. Now, the idea behind the not Hunger Games is yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that... Don't get me on my fucking high horse. <laughs> is that if you're a shitty class, we'll put you on this island yep. and fuck you. As a pun- well, as a sort of, you know, an example of don't Pretty much. Okay. And then we proceed with having, I don't know, 48 or 50, I can't remember the exact number. And then, so, of course, some of the kids try to run. They get killed immediately and beat Takashi is their teacher and he has to enforce this. That's the coolest name anyone ever had, ever. Yeah. Beat Takashi is the coolest and name. And this, it ends every day. I think I've got three days, ends each day with it. Every time someone dies, the number flashes up like boom, okay. death, whatever. So, yeah, it just yeah. keeps it real. It's surprisingly, given the number of characters, how they managed to really flesh out the top ten or so. Mm. And they don't all die in the last ten. Like, there's surprising deaths along the way or whatever okay. else. So, it's just I'll a it much, much better, inf- superior product than... Hunger Games, which cribbed off it so hard, it's frightening. I think I read somewhere that the Hunger Games writers, I've never seen Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, she said that. Yeah. She fucking claimed she had not. There's not. Look, it could have happened. No. no. There's, there's a hope that she hadn't seen it, but there's not a hope in hell that somebody, in when she submitted this manuscript, didn't go, Jesus Christ, this is fucking Battle Royale just retold for American audiences and told her that. Not one chance in hell. Yeah. But if she'd already written it, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Copyright. Uh, <laughs> this is too close to home and people... Got, anyway, look, yeah. she's made out like a billionaire, Absolutely. like a bandit. So well done to her. Yeah. And anyway, moving on. That's one of the three, Battle Royale. Nice one. My oh, number and this is one I should say. Yeah. My on. apologies for jumping in there. This is one of the few times I can honestly say the movie is better than the book. Oh. I did a wonderful job. And okay. the, guy, the guy who directed it unfortunately died a couple of years after it came out. Kinji Fukasaku. 
and his son made the second one, which is not a patch on this movie. Uh, these things yeah. happen. Okay, cool. My number two is a film that I've always thought was the bomb. It's Minority Report, everyone. Yeah, I knew this was the one Minority was Report, okay. Another dystopian epic, apparently based on a Philip K. Dick yep. novel slash story. Uh, Steven Spielberg, of course. We're putting Tom to the T to the C. You talk here. about this one a lot, Wayne. I would have thought maybe you'd... Have oh, I no, talked I, about this a lot? Dear God, I know what your number one is then. You're going to be annoyed by my number two then, which you should have had in the list. We'll see. Mm. Um, yes, uh, yes. Minority Report is uh, about the future where uh, the new technology called pre-crime actually guesses or predicts crimes that are about to occur and then, you know, using, using these precog motherfuckers. And Tom Cruise is one of the policemen, 5-0 motherfuckers, who's in a team that goes and stops the crime before it happens, then nabs, nabs the dude and fucks him up and puts him away. And of course, the dilemma here is like, well, hang on, if you stop the crime, did he do the crime? Bah, 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 bah. That's why it's cool. Sorry, that's not why it's cool. That's the story. The reason it's cool is, one, I love all of the fucking cool, like, you know, the monochromatic way it looks. That's one thing. Colin... Colin Bullseye? Farrell? Yes. <laughs> Bullseye. Bullseye. <laughs> as, as in Daredevil. Um, <laughs> he was great in this end of Revelation because I'd never seen him before. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. What if so I sure. this <laughs> bullshit? Bullseye. Bullseye. I'm sure that's his most prominent role. <laughs> Um, and of course, all of the cool tech and the blowing people up and shit with using like, you know, shockwaves and stuff. Very, very cool. I'm sure everyone's seen this, but I can tell you that it's one of my favorite Spielberg movies, even though most people say this is one of his lesser films. Okay. Um, yep. so, I, don't, I don't have the same fondness that you. I've watched it once. I've never gone back to it. Really? Only no once? No desire to. You know why? It was those fucking electronic spiders that always called yeah, over the place. You were like, fuck that shit. Probably did not help me. My number two is a film which Wayne will now be really annoyed did not include on his list. It's Equilibrium. Fuck you. That's my number one. Wait, where's Total Recall? I didn't say Total Recall. I thought when I said it earlier on, you're like, oh. I no, I thought I said Robocop and then you said. I said Total Recall and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm not promising anything. No, no, yeah. No, no. Ah. Absolutely, bro. Okay, because I knew you'd be really pissed off. If I no, had no, this. no. As, as, when this topic came out, that's the first thing I yeah. thought. So, Booyah Kasha, tell us about the quill. Uh, this is a film in which the future emotions are outlawed. So they have uh, what they call clerics. Yep, clerics. who must who, who are employed to track down people who are sense offenders. That is, people who are behaving in ways to elicit emotion. Everybody's given drugs at the start of every day to, to suppress dull. Yep. their emotions and. Christian Bale plays one of the top-level clerics, and Tay Diggs is his offsider. Yep. And and Sean Bean was, but then he died because it's Sean Bean. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a story somewhere that Sean Bean always dies in his movies because of the uh, cosmic injustice of his name that should rhyme but doesn't. <laughs> Sean right. Bean died, Seen so yeah. cinema crimes can live on. <laughs> oh man, it's hard to describe. So they they employ the clerics employ something called gun carter, where they do uh, the gun carter. They are engaging in martial arts with guns, where they based on the statistical probability which they can calculate in their heads on it, the spare of the moment. No, no, the carter <laughs> itself apparently has the magic of because you jot to the right, then you fire over your shoulder, yep. then you shot to the left. You move oh. to the place where you're least likely to catch a bullet. And while then, firing bullets of your own. That's right. So that means you can stand in the middle of a massive crossfire of 200 cops yep. shooting at you and not get shot, but you can kill all of them. Yep. Because of the gun carter. Frankly, it sounds ridiculous, but boy, is it spectacular. It looks great on screen. It is spectacular. It is sort of... This is 2002, this film. This is sort of Matrix next level. Well, the thing that Not in a better way. It's not better than Matrix, because Matrix would be higher on this list if anyone had any fucking semblance of, of <laughs> a brain. 
But we're really probably actually talking yes, about too probably much. Probably yes. But with Equilibrium, the cool thing about it is the story means a lot because it is talking about basically the freedom, the free, free speech, free thought, all right? And the resistance of people who want to think freely, i.e. like anyone would. But Christian Bale, who's initially a cleric who's totally down with it, is like, we're doing good work here. No, 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 no. Obviously comes around to, wait a minute, everyone's right. But this film well, the has... the resistance is right. Yeah. The resistance is right, yeah. But then what happens is you've got that very deep and very well-written story, but you've got action that is as good as a movie that's just about action. The hardest thing to believe about this film is it's, it's written and directed by Kurt Wimmer. Yes. Who would go on to make such amazing <laughs> films... <laughs> As Ultraviolet. Fuck me. One of the worst movies ever made. And Children of the Corn. No idea what that is. Remake from 2020, which I've never seen. This is what happens. This is a case of lightning striking for this guy once with this amazing film, which frankly, a lot of people haven't seen this film, Equilibrium. We haven't seen it. You got to go out and check it out, man. It's. He wrote Salt and he wrote the Total Recall remake. Salt wasn't bad. Salt was okay, but he wrote that. He didn't direct it. So he's only directed four films. Uh, Equilibrium, Ultraviolet, Jill the Corn, and One Man's Justice. So, Was that Michael yeah. Keaton? No, that was Dolph Lundgren. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> Brian Bosworth. <laughs> Can I look at the poster? <laughs> the image of the poster. Oh, God. Yep. Anyway, yeah. so there we are. So, Equilibrium, it's a, it's a bit of a lightning in the bottle occasion where it all Dude. sort of came together in a perfect way, but I agree. What a wonderful film. Get this, right? Fair there's, enough. There's sir. this one scene where Christian Bale is like, he's, he's again surrounded by, this time by cops. And he's got his two guns. The two guns are in his jacket pocket. They're like RoboCop guns, right? They're fully automatic, like poof, 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 pistols, Oh, uh, not, right? the, not the big sort of shotties. He's got. No, that's, the other, that's, a, that's another bit, right? But he, uh, he then, for some reason, and this is just cool for no reason, right? He's like, okay, I'm surrounded by guys. I've not no room to actually shoot them. And the gun, he activates something on the gun, which protrudes, protrudes these little spikes from the handle. That's right. And then he goes and uses the candles to smash them as though they were two battens and takes out everyone's face. Overhead shot of him doing it. Fucking gangster, man. Yeah, it is. It's just the shit. So, yeah, Equilibrium, nice. obviously my number one. All right, give us your 10 through one then, Wayne, and then I'll reveal my number one, which is not on your list, and it's a slight travesty. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> my number 10 was Book of Eli. Nine, Demolition Man. Uh, it's a Sting song. Eight, The Fifth Element. Was that on the movie? Yeah. Uh, there we the go. Police, so we can baby, open the, the episode now. Yeah, dog. Uh, number seven, Waterworld. Six, I Am Legend. Five, Twelve Monkeys. Four, A Quiet Place. Three, Looper. Two, Minority Report. And number one is Equilibrium, Polly. All right, then. So from 10 through one, my number 10 is Logan's Run. Nine, What Happened to Monday. Eight, Video Drone. Seven, The Running Man. Six, Snowpiercer. Five, Looper. Four, Mad Max. Two, Colin, The Road Warrior. Colin. Three, <laughs> Battle Royale. Two, Equilibrium. My number one is Dread. 2012's Pete Travis apparently directed. See, I thought you talked about this a lot too, but keep going. <laughs> Dreaded the shit, I will say. I don't talk about as much as my top five, so I put my number six as my number one. Sure, there's no justifications here. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> uh, look, this film is great. I talked about it on the aforementioned binge movies podcast as well. Uh, I tried to defend it as a film that should be preserved for all time beyond the end times in the vault that they have on that show. Sure. Unfortunately, I did lose because I forgot to vote in my own poll. <laughs> <laughs> Nor rally the countdown listeners to come to my aid. Very I think most, unlike you, Paul. Most people agree this film is the shizzle. Because it is the shizzle. One, what a great... And this is why I got to my number one. What a great depiction of a dystopian future in which crime is so rife. You just have judge, jury, and executioner in these particular judges that judges. literally go around the world mm. and just dispense it on the spot. What a great idea. 
the courts are so backed up. Crime is so rife. We don't. We can't afford to go through a judicial system. We just have to make a hearing and an assessment and a response on the spot. Judge Red is one of the first comics I ever read. The 2000 AD. There was like it's like it's insanely like just old school. And for them to make because the comic was kind of shit. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Sorry to offend anyone out there. Really? Okay. I've, I I read a bit of the Judge Death series and thought it was really cool. Okay. So there's a there's a a comic a so supernatural a graphic novel called Judgment on Gotham where Batman and Judge Dredd take out uh, against Judge Death. Wow, well, that sounds right? cool. It is one of the best comics I've ever seen. Airbrushed, beautiful art. You should check it out. Judgment on Gotham. Check it out, everyone. Okay. But uh, this, but the film, absolutely. The the the, the ideas they have in here, and well, you talk about it. Well, yeah, the the mutant kind of gene, and there's some sort of superpower slash psychic ability. I think that's really interesting. Yep. I think the fact that we don't see. Carl Urban without his fucking helmet on. That was a big thing. Cause Slice it's Stallone, so huge after Slice Alone fucking... I'm fucking worth all the money. I'm beyond the fucking, fucking machine. Fuck everyone. For the record, I like the Slice Alone one. I'm yeah, the only you guy. And, you I'm the only guy. The Pine <laughs> Comic guys who was on their show a while ago shitting on that film. So Jenny Versace did the wardrobe for <laughs> oh, Who gives a fuck? No, but let's talk about the fucking... What's, what's the drug in this called? It's called uh, whatever it is that slows down time. Because that's the cool thing about this film. Yes, it's like the raid in that everyone goes up it's to It's called slow-mo, isn't it? Or slow? Or... So, I don't know. It's called something. But like, the idea here is that when they kill someone by throwing them off the top of this mega long to- big tower, they give them the drugs and then they throw them down. It slows down time and their descent for, like, lasts forever. And the way that it's depicted and the, the device that movie uses when... You know, like there's an action scene, and they have this excuse to use the drug to slow the whole action scene down. You see every single thing. It's actually oddly beautiful. Even though this dude's falling to his death, the sparkliness and the euphoric sort of treatment of that scene when he's falling in slow motion is beautiful but tragic. You don't see that in action films all the time, motherfucker. No, you don't. I've seen this now film three times. I love it. I think it's brilliant. And yeah. Certainly don't dread this film. I do not. Thank you. Uh, all, all right. right. I'll mention this very quickly, Wayne. Let's get to the pop show. Sure. I was going to piss you off by putting Resident Evil Apocalypse on my number 10. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Guillory, man. That shit's awesome. But that's totally on my honorable mentions. Let's see. Uh, dread was um, District 9, Dark City, Strange Days, Starship Troopers. Thought you might do that. But then again, we do talk about it quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Total Recall. I, I kind of went away from Aliens, which is, other than District 9, which was on my honorable mentions. That's the thing. Oh, aliens are like, how's Paul not going to talk about that? Well mm. done for not doing that. Oh, well, I mean, like, Aliens is a general thing. I kind of didn't think of that as dystopian, although of course it can be. Yeah. So yeah, Starship Troopers would certainly fall into that. Sure. But The Matrix, Man Makes You Road, Children of Men. Yeah, that's the... Very hard to Well done for list. not talking about that one. I was definitely not going to put that on my list. Total even though it's awesome. Total Recall and Escape from New York were my other ones. Escape from New York. Someone put Escape from LA. LA. And, and then... <laughs> said, oh, yeah, I meant to do New York, but then I actually love LA too. So How fine. do you like LA? That was a piece of shit. Jesus Christ. I'm not sure who that was. <laughs> I just but... lost that person's bro. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, I'm right there with you. So, all right. Thank you. That's what I want. That's our list. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of the show in a segment that we call the Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Talk about Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard podcast. Great show. Do check them out. Said the criminally underrated Moon He's number three, number two, The Running Man, number one. A movie I quote nearly every day, Idiocracy. Did you like Moon? I thought it was fine. I did not. Okay. I was just so bored. But I know lots of people love that one. So I'm in the minority. I've never seen Idiocracy, though. Luke Wilson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me neither. Catherine Guard said number three, Snowpiercer. Number two, What Happened to Monday? Number one. Woo! Well, the first two, anyway. 
Catching Fire, second Hunger Games movie. I read the book and knew the story. I was still walking out of the cinema. Absolutely mind blown. Yes, Paul, Battle Royale is on my TBR and TBW lists. Okay, good. Well, oh, fair enough. Can't argue about Catherine Warden. John Amento from the aforementioned Pilot Comics podcast. Oh, sorry, The Pint now. I've rebranded podcast. A Clockwork Orange. The settings all give me chills. What a world. Go ahead, laugh. It's a marvel of movie making. What's up? Way better than its reputation. And The Road Warrior set the template for hundreds of inferior copies. Could go either way, well, that one. Well said. Robin Glader, I think first time contributor to the show. Thank you, Robin. What's up, Robin? Said number three, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Great choice. Number two, Mad Max, Colin Fury Road. Great choice. Number one, The Terminator. Great choice. Boom. John Hislander said the obvious winners here are Road Warrior and Fury Road. And, but outside those movies, I'm going old school mostly. Number three, Clockwork Orange. Right, 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 right now. Number two, Children of Men. Maybe Clive Owen's best movie ever. 100%. Clive Owen's best movie ever. Mm-hmm. And number one, Blade Runner. All 11 billion releases of it. <laughs> Mina Harker, I, aka Dan, said I'm going a little weird. Number three, Hotel Artemis. Uh, okay. What's that one? Mm, it's got like, Jodie Foster. and Okay. It's okay. Number two, Alita Battle Angel. Yes, I'm an apologist. And number one, what happened to Monday? Very popular. Luke James Human said number three, In Time. Number two, Battle Royale. Number one, Dread. Whoa, In Time? Yeah. Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake, yep. Wow, okay. Bit of a surprise to me too, but okay. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. Chris and Icaro said District 9, The Hunger Games, and Wally as her number one. I still haven't finished that one. Ooh, I know everyone's. Damn! Watching. I know. Philip Wilson said Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Children of Men, and Alien. Oh, Alien! Jamie Davies said Mad Max Fury Road number three, number two, Wally number one, Children of Men, and ready to be annoyed all over again where District Nine ends up on both of your lists somehow. Aha! <laughs> Uh, last couple then before we get to David Powell to wrap it up for us. Uh, Jocelyn Pederick. Sorry, Jocelyn. First time contributed to the show, I believe, as well. Hello, Joss. Some older ones. Silent Running. Existence. Oh, penis metaphor <laughs> for Wayne's action. And Soylent Green. And then Cameron Petty, who said, one of my favourite genres, dystopian films have degrees of decay. Post-apocalyptic being the most extreme. I like that way. It's a good mm-hmm. way of putting it. Number three, Ghost in the Shell. Animated. Animated, sorry. Number two, Blade Runner. Number one, Gattaca. First mentioned wow, that one. and Ghost of the Shell was actually pretty impressive. That it was. All right, lastly then, David Powell has mentioned the choicer of this, choicer, chooser of choicer. this particular episode. He said, favorite genre, number 10, Snowpiercer, number nine, Videodrome, eight, Hardware. That's a good film too. Yeah, like that this one. is what you want. This is what you get. <laughs> oh, good, now I've got three songs I can choose from. <laughs> number seven, Dark Shitty. <laughs> Not a fan then, Paul. Oh, that film's all right. I like that one. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. Number six, Gattaca. Number five, criminally low, The Matrix. Number four, almost as criminally low, Mad Max, Colin Fury Road. Number three, Clockwork Orange. Number two, Brazil. And number one, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That is it for this week's topic. We haven't worked out next week's topic yet. We'll get there, though. We will let you know before the weekend if you're in the Facebook community. Link is in the show notes. Wayne, how else do the good folk get in touch with us? Let us know their feedback on the topic at hand or indeed things more generally. Very 1.0-ish website, The Countdown Podcast. No, it's 1.1. 1.1.com. Uh, or is Google Google us for our socials or send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. Like and follow the show on Podbean. Tell a friend and check out Good Pods where we are and have charted for a couple of months now. They're among their top podcasts around TV and film. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to us there. And that is it. That's the show. For episode 383. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been the soundboard. Whoa, 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 Hold on. Not as good as this one. What the, what the hey, hell? Fuck you, asshole. Hey, no. What the fuck? No! <laughs> <laughs>
Suck a dick. No, One of those, dicks. I think, is from a dystopian film. I'm just not sure which. We'll catch you next time. See ya.